house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get We want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Jack Nicholson, Jessica Lange, in the motion picture that Playboy magazine calls hotter than any uncurbed passion since last tango in Paris. The postman always rings twice. All right, come on, huh? Come on. Come on. Hello and welcome to the This Head Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that is still male nasty. Every week on This Head Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. We are back this week with our second installment of our mailbag. We had so many questions. The episode was so overloaded. We decided to split it into two to make it easier for you guys. Yeah. Uh, As the last episode, remember just to like set the stage for where we were at. Usher showed up. (laughs) It was a large celebration. Um, Cardi was there uh, cussing out the bouncer. Right. Um, And then the bottom fell out. And now we are here in a harsher financial situation. Um, I have a baby. Joe and I haven't spoken for a long time. Right. Um, I'm working retail uh, now. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Club Can't Handle Me just started and we're back together. We are very big believers here in starting the year the same way we ended a year. So we closed out the year with a mailbag episode and we're starting the year with the second half of that very ma- uh, mailbag episode. So happy 2022, y'all. And uh, here's a nice, fun uh, music cue to blend uh, the audio to the next episode because we didn't prepare to go for that long. Enjoy. So from Tad, Tad asks us, what do you think are the best and worst Oscar-winning performances in each of the acting categories? If you need to narrow it, let's just say the last 20 years. We're going to stick to that. A, for time, but also, you know, for, like, things that we relate. Okay, let's go supporting actor first. Supporting actor is my strongest opinion, and I've advanced it on this podcast before. I think Tim Robbins is actively bad in Mystic River, and he... I also uh, picked him as worst. He kind of holds that movie back more than anything else, and um, it's too bad, because it's not like I hate Tim Robbins, but... And I don't hate Mystic River. Nor do I, but I think it's a bad performance, and I think it misjudges that character in some crucial ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just, like, so, like... One eye squinting and one eye like huge, like the whole movie, and like that's not what that movie is. And, and he's, like, the movie doesn't have a problem with him being like that, and weirdly, no one else did. Like, and he swept the awards that year, which also, if yeah. it was, I would maybe feel a little bit less annoyed by it if other people in that field that year had won stuff, but nobody else did because he won everything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. My best is Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. Oh, it's best and worst. I only went and did oh. worst. Oh, <laughs> no. All right. Give me a second. Give me a second. Um, <laughs> just from turn of the century. Yeah, just from turn of the century. All right. Hold on. Please hold. Um, well, you're pulling a best. This is maybe the one that, like, there was less competition for best, though, I think is the like Mahershala Ali was like the obvious one to jump out at me as best. But I think there's of the four acting categories, probably the least range between the worst and the best. Oh, that's with Tim Robbins being probably my obvious choice. Yeah. Not an out. I wouldn't go so far to say as an outlier, but like of the ones I would have considered for worst, he was like what felt like the most obvious to me. I think they actually, the winners for supporting actor in the last 20 years are, I think the level is high considering how much I tend to think of supporting actor as the worst of the acting categories. I thought um, this too. It's like, in terms of our interest, you would think yeah. we would feel more strongly that it's a lot of bad winners. Right. I think I think you're probably right about Mahershala. The two I will bring up as uh, runners up, maybe. Uh, Bardem in, in No Country for Old Men, we talked about it a second ago. And then Chris Cooper in Adaptation, I think, is tremendously wonderful and good. Yes. Supporting actress. All right, what's yours? You do that while I uh, while I look up my While best. you pull the best. Okay, I'll, yeah, keep, yeah. I'll keep doing this. <sighs> okay, so supporting actress. Obviously, this is the category where I feel like I'm falling on a sword because supporting actress has some of the... It's, I think it's the hardest to pick a winner of the best because uh well let me just let me just say the one that i think is the worst i feel like people are gonna say that i'm being mean but this is a performance i've never liked and even when i've revisited this movie more times than i thought i would have the first time i saw it i'm just like the fuck man i hate this performance it's melissa leo in the fighter and it's not just because I think Amy Adams is so much better than she is, but like Melissa Leo in The Fighter is to Jared Leto in House of Gucci to me. And that like, it's just like, I understand why somebody would think it's good, but it's just, it's doing so much and it maybe doesn't need to. And I just, I don't like the performance. I, I don't dislike the performance, and I think on a good day, I would support her nomination for it. I also really love Jared Leto in House of Gucci. We don't have to talk about it. Um, I don't think he's... I think he is better than Melissa Leo is. He is the only person in that movie besides... Well, Gaga and Al Pacino. Those three are the ones who are giving me what I want out of House of Gucci. Nobody else is. Adam Driver is not at fault. Adam Driver innocent. They have given him all of the worst parts of that movie. Um, But anyway. I feel like Jared Leto in that movie is trying to do something metatextual of like, in order to sell the audience on what a freak outlier in the family this character is, I have to be a Mario brother. I have to be doing this absurd thing. And I think there's a lack of trust on the audience. And I think it's like, okay, but the movie's not on that level. It, but like, in House of that Gucci context, needed to be. Fine. 
weirdly more fun in a way that like I would never have thought after watching that trailer and whatever. And and I think he I had fun every second he was on screen. And I think that that is my that is my case for him. Anyway. My best is really hard, especially because there's like wins that I feel like I've stood up for that like I do believe are amazing, like Jennifer Hudson. Um and like we forget how great um Penelope Cruz is, things like that. And it's like we're over boyhood, but Patricia Arquette is incredible in boyhood. Mm-hmm. Um and like I mean Viola Davis and Fences, but like my winner is between Monique and Catherine Zeta Jones. I would be willing to let you sway me towards one or the other. Wait, sorry. Catherine Zeta Jones and who? Monique. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones is also my, uh, one of my top two. So, um, maybe we can meet in the middle there. My top two are Catherine Zeta Jones and Tilda Swinton and Michael Clayton. With I'm probably leaning towards Tilda because I just think it's a miracle that that performance and, and she specifically has an Oscar and good for her. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a, slut for michael clayton so i do love that answer yeah. i'm just gonna say i have a tie oh it's a tie hello ingrid bergman um yeah, yeah. i'm allowed to have this tie i don't usually my worst supporting actress um i mean i don't think she's so bad in it but i refuse to say renee zellweger so i'm going to say uh alicia vikander in the danish girl just because like i just wouldn't have awarded that performance in that movie. There's no universe where I would have awarded that performance. It's of that five too. Of that five, especially, but just like in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's just weird that that performance has, is, was, is an Oscar winning one. Yeah. I think like, it's deeply fine, but like, I don't think she's bad. She's Mostly not bad. I think is bad. Sure. 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 All right. What else? Uh, best actor. Best actor. I mean, I wanted to be a troll. But I couldn't. Um, to me, sort of almost by default, it's Rami Malek. I think best oh, actor yeah. winners of the last 20 too. years is I don't love hardly any of them, but I don't hate hardly any of them except. And so, like, I'm of the people who hated Rami Malek's performance, I was probably the most mild on it. I think I was more middle of the road than anybody else, but like, there's no way to make a case for anybody else but him on that list. I, don't I agree. Uh, who is your fave? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. I think that's mine, too, and I'm almost... I almost went for so- Philip Seymour Hoffman. Me, too. Because I think people, A, underrate that movie, but, like, I think when people talk about that win, they're like, oh, but it's a true per- it's a true story, a real person, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's layers of that, that, like, if you divorce the movie from the like true story of it all and that he's playing a very famous real person. Like it's still an incredibly interesting and layered performance. Yeah. But I, I don't ultimately, think ultimately it's, I abandoned my child. I abandoned my child. I almost feel I like I'm my boy. capitulating to film Twitter when I acknowledge that Daniel day Lewis and there will be blood is probably my choice. Um, 
I advanced the notion the other day that Michael that George Clooney should have won that year for Michael Clayton, and I got a lot of like really weirdly incredulous. Do you really think that he was better than Daniel Day Lewis? Yes, I do. It is possible for somebody to believe that somebody was better than Daniel Day Lewis, and there will be. Blood. I can go with it too. And to be honest, if George Clooney had won, he might have still won this question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if George Clooney had won the Oscar for Michael Clayton, he would absolutely be my answer for this question for best. Yes, totally. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Big category, best actress. Oh, here's where I most wanted to be a troll. Do you know <laughs> Do you know where I would have wanted, in what direction I would have wanted to troll? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have some pearl clutching to, but if you're clutching your pearl to my worst answer, I don't want people to watch this movie again, but just watch the movie again. I'm right. You, the worst is Meryl. Yeah, I knew. Well, and, and this is why I most wanted to troll because I knew you were going to say Meryl. So, like, I guess and you wanted to say it was the best. No, oh god, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, I just would say she's not the worst, which feels like enough of a troll, particularly in the company I'm in right now. No, I wanted to say Marion Cotillard for Levian Rose, a performance I hate. Oh, I really See, I hate don't hate. I hate. I think that's a bad movie. It's a dumb movie. It's a bad win. I know all gay people have now all of a sudden come around to "Thank You Life, Thank You Love" speech as some sort of again. There must be some angels in this city. Whatever. Uh, I, I think it's a bad performance. I think it's kind of embarrassing. Like anybody who watches that speech should be forced to actually watch Livian Rose. Like it's the fact that she beat <laughs> Julie Christie in away from her is stupid. The fact that she beat Laura Linney in The Savages. Sure, all of that. Like it's just it's it's dumb. Um, I don't like it. It's it's. I'll say it. You said Meryl, so like Meryl's on the record there. I'll say <laughs> Marion Cotillard. Bad. My favorite also feels kind of basic, but like it's Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. I I I gave myself a minute to be like, am I just gonna stump for somebody else, or am I just gonna say it? And it's also Julia Roberts. I mean, like, there's so many great actress winners that I mean, you know, I love Nicole in the hours, you know, I love Natalie in Black Swan, you know, I love Julianne Moore and still Alice, but like, it's Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockman. It's the most iconic. Like, I mean, like, I think Olivia Coleman in The Favorite is a performance we're going to be talking about for fucking decades, too. And like, I'm sorry, it's Julia Roberts. Like, Julia Julia Roberts. Roberts would be like top five winners in the category of all time. Like, it's called an iconic performance, Ed. Like that's just sort of that's 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 where I'm at. <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. Uh, we'll talk about our uh, guest spots on screen drafts, but go back to our best actress uh, yes. screen drafts guest definitely. episode. Definitely, yes. Uh, moving right along again to uh, House of Gucci and best actress. Rebecca asks, "What is going on with Gaga and House of Gucci? And can you talk about the current Best Actress race?" This question came in before she won New York Critics. If she hadn't won New York Critics, I would feel like, no, no, that's not happening. Like it's too divisive. But I feel like you know, I wrote about for um, Vanity Fair last season with Glenn Close getting a Razzie nom and an Oscar nom for Hillbilly Elegy. And what an anomaly that was. And I feel like it could happen with House of Gucci. Do you think, though, I, do you think there's enough people calling it a terrible performance? Considering the Razzies and the type of yeah. shit that they do, no, they're going to do that. They're going to do that because she could be nominated for an Oscar for it. I do feel like the New York Film Critics Award was, like, 40% trolling. But, like... I also feel like the level of respect for that performance is a lot higher than I 
kind of expected. And I just, I think the Razzies go for the the easy targets. And I think because the critical respect for her has been so high, I I wonder if that makes her less of an easy target. I wonder. I mean, like, all of the acting races do kind of seem in flux in a way that I find really satisfying. And I think Best Actress specifically, the people that I think are safest for a nomination, I don't think will win. But then there's people that I think could just as easily win and not be nominated. Sure. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. Like, I think the safest to a nomination are going to be Nicole Kidman and Olivia Coleman, but I don't see them winning. I maybe sometimes feel like Nicole Kidman has a chance at winning. I I would agree with that. I don't think I see Olivia winning. I think if Being the Ricardos had gotten a better critical reception initially, maybe. I still think the Academy is going to love it. Um, I think it's the Best Picture nominee. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Which I don't think The Lost Daughter will be. Um, I think it has a chance. And I don't think Spencer will be either. I don't think Spencer is going to be a Best Picture nominee. I think... I mean, like, it feels like the heat around Kristen Stewart has died down, but could very easily come back. I agree. But it's not the type of thing like Renee Zellweger, where Renee Zellweger never really had an active challenger. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. That was Um, the biggest thing. And I also think people are underestimating that the Academy is going to be weirded out by that movie. Like... Yeah. Yes. I... I don't know. And it's like, I love Kristen Stewart. I think that movie is fine. Like, I don't have major complaints against it. But, like... If Nicole Kidman were to beat Kristen Stewart, though, if that ends up being the race and Nicole Kidman ends up winning, it would be odd, although not unprecedented, to see the performance... Two performances of people playing real people. It would be odd to see the performance that is a less successful mimicry beat the more success like i think Kristen stewart looks more the part for diana for as unexpected as that turned out to be that she would um i think people still get hung up on nicole not looking like lucille ball i don't think that's a problem in that movie i think it actually i don't think helps that movie at all right but i also think what people need to realize is on-screen lucy and off-screen lucy were not the same thing and but this also makes is... this also makes Go me ahead. think of the pablo lorraine thing with Nat- natalie portman and jackie is so many people had to be like directed to old clips of jackie kennedy to be like no that's how she talked and like i think you're it's it's a lot of work to sort of force every voter to see that it also probably helps kidman that she is the best thing about the movie i know there's going to be some people that are gassed by that but like she is the best thing about that movie and yeah. there's other things to talk about in spencer than kristen stewart yeah and but like, i don't I think don't the other to... things in spencer are necessarily all good i didn't hate spencer i was more mixed than anything else i think it's a very peculiar movie in a way that like intrigues me in a lot of ways but mm-hmm. i think but it's gonna put off an academy member yeah yeah i agree at least enough of them. Yeah. What do you think the Oscar Best Actress lineup will be? Predict it right now. All right. Um, I mean, it's really surprising to me that Lady Gaga is seeming as likely as she is right now. Because I just didn't see it. I think Kristen Stewart's a nominee. I think Kidman's a nominee. I think Coleman is a nominee. Um, 
I mean, Jessica Chastain is certainly courting the Jeremy Strong vote if he has a vote in the uh, in the Academy right now. Is he an Academy member? I don't know. We should look that up. We should see. Honestly, I feel like the Rachel Ziegler momentum is really strong right now. I wouldn't have said that at all a week ago, but I think like I think she's really moving on strong. I think her more so than Alana Haim, actually. Um, this is all right. Stewart Kidman, Coleman, Gaga, and I'm gonna say Penelope Cruz as a as a wishful thinking. I say Stewart, Segler, Coleman, Kidman, and honestly Penelope Cruz. Nobody is talking about that movie right now, but right. this is the same thing that people were saying about the father last year. I think this is why I kind of Sony wish... Classics is primed to push that movie. They know what they're doing with a certain type of movie. They know who to go for for. A movie like that, and like they've done it with a more, they did it with the father. That's not the same type of movie, but like it's in the same release strategy as those movies. I think they know what they're doing. I think it could come on very strong late, or at the very least, they're going to get Penelope Cruz the nomination. I would love for one of the remaining critics groups who haven't voted yet to pick Penelope Cruz as their winner. Please, for the love of God! It's I the know we're not here. I know we're not supposed to vote based on affecting the Oscar race. And I agree with that. And I think that's fine. I still would have wished that New York film critics instead of like Gaga winning, you know, we all tweeted it and we all had a good little, you know, you know, reaction to it. But I think Penelope Cruz is objectively better. Like she just is. And, um, performance of her career. Yeah. Like, and like, you want to honor her for her, uh, you know, her collaboration with Almodovar. Yeah. But, I don't know. I seem to be in the like extreme positivity for that movie in a way that I thought more people would be, but like I am happy to carry the. Toy. Most people still haven't seen it, honestly. Like it's still gonna. It's. I. I think there is. There is a chance. I think it's the same path that Antonio Banderas walked. Although Antonio Banderas won a Critics Award for it, so. Right. We'll see. The thing about Rachel Ziegler, I will say, even though we shouted out uh, Rita Moreno and people shouldn't be doubting Ariana DeBose's chances either. But like, I do kind of feel like maybe Rachel Rachel Ziegler has the best shot. Well, we'll definitely because like Ariana DeBose is starring opposite, you know, the Oscar winner for the role that she's playing. Rita Moreno, like I think that is actually kind of a small part, even though she gets a lot of the emotional payoff in the movie. But like Natalie Wood wasn't nominated before. Right. And like, you know, I think I think she has less obstacles. I will say that. I weirdly think the fact that Rita Moreno is in the conversation for this West Side Story helps Ariana DeBose in that way, because it feels like you can give Ariana a nomination and still give Rita Moreno a nomination and not feel like you're slating Rita Moreno by honoring right. her uh, her newer version, right? And I think that's highly possible. I think it's I th- I would say as of right now I would think it's more likely that both Ariana DeBose and Rita Moreno get nominated than Rachel Ziegler gets nominated, although I do think it's close. I also just want to throw in one more name. I would feel more strongly about it if she wins a critics prize. I think Renata uh, Rensiv for Worst Person in the World is not out of the discussion. No. You don't think so? I agree with you. Oh, you agree that she's not out of the discussion? Yeah. No. I. The thing is, I think critics are going to like that movie more than the Academy does. Oh, but, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but 
it's going to be in the foreign language film conversation. And I think the Academy has a more of an awareness screenplay conversation too. Yeah. And I think the Academy just has a more of an awareness of the finer points of foreign language films than they did a decade or so ago. Next question from Stephanie. What's your favorite reaction to an Oscar win by a fellow nominee? More specifically, your favorite happy reaction and favorite inability to hide their obvious disappointment and or anger. My answers are so basic. I just have to same. throw them out there. Mine are too. I bet you we have the same ones. I bet that they're the same ones. Yeah. I mean, they're they're legendary and iconic. It's Meryl basically leaping to the rafters when Cher wins. Agreed. That's mine. Yep. Um, and then disappointed. I mean, it's iconic. It's um, fucking. Um, oh my god! I just went into a, a hole. Wait, I'll say mine then. It's Samuel L. Jackson when Martin Landau won. Oh. Oh, are we different there? Like he does say shit. Like he does say <laughs> shit. What Martin Landau? Poor Michael Keaton putting his speech away too. Oh yeah, that was yours. Uh, no, um, minus Sally Kirkland. <laughs> oh, in that same one, in that same tableau. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's very good. No, but I think absolutely it's Streep though. Streep is so tickled and delighted. And again, it's the kind of happy you can be when you already have two Oscars. <laughs> So it's right. like, but obviously they, you know, they were very good friends. before she basically spent her career going to the Oscars to lose. Right. Right. Um, obviously they were very good friends. Obviously Meryl uh, had a great impact on Cher when they were on Silkwood together. She thanks her in the speech, calls her Mary Louise Streep. It's a wonderful moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, I think it's so genuine. And so again, like he really... He wanted to win. He thought he deserved to win. I think I would maybe feel a little bit differently if I didn't think... I mean, whatever. Martin Lando is very good in Ed Wood, and I think he probably... I would have voted for Samuel L. Jackson ahead of him. I think that was probably... Yeah, same. Um, and probably deserved to get nominated in lead alongside John Travolta. But... Um, I would nominate him in lead over Travolta. Well, I sure. Get the whole Travolta narrative. I would have nominated like, them now both, and it's like, but okay. Samuel higher than Travolta. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's also that's. I think that's like. Mm, I don't know. I, in I could see a world in which my five best actor nominees that year are two from Pulp Fiction and two from Shawshank Redemption because I genuinely think that Freeman and Robbins are both fantastic in that movie. And then maybe from like Andrew, it, yeah. <laughs> from Andrew, if you could only see vote totals for one year, what would it be and why? And if within that year you could see vote totals for one category, what would the category be? I, I feel like I'm just coming through with basic answers, but like the O1 actress race is oh, interesting. I mean, like, and it's no slight against Holly Berry, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when there's so many different wins happening in that season and i do when i think of like what was the closest race that i can recall in my lifetime it has to be that best actress race and i just want to see where the split is yeah mine tend to be all a decade apart actually um 1998 i would have really loved to have seen how far ahead roberto benini was in best actor ahead of Ian McKellen and Nick Nolte and where that split sort of fell. Um, I also would have really liked to have seen how close Kathy Bates got to beating Judi Dench in supporting actress that year. Mm -hmm. I think then jump ahead 10 years for 2008. I a would have 
love to see who finished second to Kate Winslet, whether it was Streep, which it probably was, or how well Hathaway actually performed in that category. But I also mostly want to see what the nomination tallies were, because I want to see if I'm right that Winslet had sufficient votes to get to get double nominated. To get triple nominated. I think she... Right, to have I, two nominations for the reader. I think she finished in the top five twice for actress and in uh, supporting uh, once for uh, for the reader, uh, is my I theory. think you're probably... I, I would put money on you being right. And then um, 10 years after that, in 2018, I really sort of have a dark fascination with seeing just how far ahead Green Book was and what and what the order of runners up that year were. It wouldn't make me I happy. I think second place was Bohemian Rhapsody. That, and I just would want to know that, just to know, <laughs> just to sort of and maybe I'd be Yeah, like surprised. I was trying not to come up with an answer that would be dark because like yeah. I do want to know how close Brokeback Mountain was to uh, crash yeah crash because i ultimately think crash had a decent here's my question to you was Brokeback closer to crash and best picture than paul haggis was to ang lee and director yes i definitely think ang lee probably had a stronger i would agree with you i just yeah, wanted to yeah. get that i think i think that's pretty easy yeah okay uh, from Eliseo, I loved your screen drafts uh, episodes, uh, especially with Best Actress Films of the 21st Century. Uh, what films would you draft from the slate of Best Actor Films of the 21st Century? Um, love this question. I feel like if we, uh, if and when we go back to screen drafts, we love those guys. We do. Uh, shout out to Clay and Ryan. Um, I feel like this is not the <laughs> draft that we would pick because, like... But I do the think there are suck. I think there are seven clear choices here. I think seven f- stand out from the crowd, although one of them again, I'm really tempted to just piss off all the Paul Thomas Anderson fanboys and say something like the last king of Scotland ahead of there will be blood, but like I am forced to admit that there will be blood is one of the seven best in that and fine. I would probably try to veto it if you played it just to make you play it again, but you know. <laughs> just to burn my veto. Remember when we have a regular episode, I have two vetoes stacked against you my friend i know um yeah i think i think like that would probably be obvious like for me the seven that i have listed are lincoln capote there will be blood milk which we didn't draft in the queer draft so i feel like that would be easy for us to put it on there because like as noted we did not vote for the hours in our queer draft because we put it for our best actress one indeed um manchester by the sea last king of scotland and training day Oh, or what I pulled. Your last two are different than mine. I have, I have, I have varied opinions of Training Day, but like I do also feel like that's a good Best Actor win. It's a good Best Actor I mean, win. I the it. last time I saw it, though, I didn't like it as much as a movie. Um, I think The Last King of Scotland is probably my eighth. I have The Father ahead of both of those movies. And I have issues with the father. I mean, I have issues with Training Day too, but like I have aesthetic issues with the father. And I also, as you know, um, am a much bigger fan of Darkest Hour than you. And we can right. leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah, mine is it's Capote. There will be blood in no particular order, by the way. Capote. There will be blood. Milk. Lincoln. Right. Manchester. Right. Darkest Hour. The father. Cool. Uh, Brady asked, which, if any, overdue narratives do you think have resulted in Oscar wins for a performer's best or most iconic work? I like this I have category. a very I like this question. I love this question because, like, 
You somewhat have to think of it, though I did have an immediate answer that rings clear, Isabel, that I don't think I do too. applies as well to anybody else. And I'm curious if you have the same one. So I want to go through my runners up quickly. I think there's a case. Well, OK, it's not Susan Sarandon, but Susan Sarandon ends up winning for a very, very strong performance. It is not one of her most iconic performances, especially as we are now 15 years down or 25 years. Jesus Christ. Um, down the line. Um, But she has nothing to, you know, hang her head about. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum on this podcast and others about how much we stick up for Julianne Moore's performance in Still Alice, but I think it would be hard to say that that's her best ever and, uh, and most iconic. I think somebody who is more enthused about beginners than I could probably make the case for Christopher Plummer um, Mm -hmm. in that one. I also want to make a stab at, I don't think Scent of a Woman is Al Pacino's best work, but if we were including the term iconic in there, it is really hard to deny. yes. It's really hard to deny that, that Scent of a Woman is one of his most iconic performances when we talk about the iconography of Al Pacino. Like you'd, I understand your aesthetic objections to that movie, but I don't think I'm wrong. I will say though that my answer and I think we might have the same one, is Shirley MacLaine for Terms of Endearment, who waited so long for that and ended up winning for... It's in her speech! It is! I feel like this ceremony has been longer than my career. Uh, if that's not her this. best performance, it's one of her top three. And it Absol- very well I may mean, be her and best. most iconic. Yes. I mean... Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. No question. Shirley MacLaine. Do you have any others you wanted to throw out there? No, you you did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. She also did. from Friend of the uh the podcast that we need to come up with uh, our own people need to stop saying friend of the pod oh i i very Find much object to say that. i object to the terminology of calling a podcast a pod so much i really really can't stand it so yeah i am i feel like also post pandemic like pod took on a different meaning <laughs> yeah good point there yes but yeah any uh something else besides friend of the pod please because yeah i hate that but brian I, we love I also brian thought Forte. of this that um yeah. Our list. I thought of the other day. Our listeners could be called uh, voters, <laughs> like they're Oscar voters. Okay. <laughs> People kept calling us like Thobbies or Thobbers. Thobbers like, is weird. No, no. Yeah, and something no. like like heart fobs is too sweaty and corny. Um, Keith, I like, Keith I like the idea of voters. Okay, we'll see what we'll see. Uh, we'll run up run voters up the flagpole. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay uh back to brian's question we love you brian. Uh, now that the sound categories have mercifully been combined into one award which award would you add to the ceremony and who would be your top five winners of the past 20 years if that category existed we had a lot of questions about uh new categories but brian really narrowed in on some specificity here. all right you go first and i'll follow up we definitely have the same category well we don't because um, i pivoted <laughs> you pivoted this is like you this is like your topic so i'm gonna rely on you to tell me oh god what i'm forgetting what i'm overlooking you can throw them out i'm gonna throw out some things that i would nominate in this category and then i'll give you my five best winners all right right? all right i mean it should be a choreography oscar there should be a choreography oscar like there absolutely should be 
it's weird. Like it used to be a category way back in the day. And it's weird that like it never was brought back up even in like we're giving Oscars to fame and flash dance. Why would they not do that? Anyway, uh, some things I would nominate Suspiria. Obviously, oh, yeah. go back to our episode on Suspiria. Right. Um, Billy Elliot. Yes. Center Stage. These are a lot of dance movies, but still. Uh, Black Swan. You Got Served. Dogtooth. <laughs> which has a weird oh, like, dance. Oh, that's in it. not a bad one. That's definitely not a bad one. I mean, Bring It On. I yes. thought of some movies that I'm like, there's great dancing scenes, but is that choreographed or is that like, Freestyle? you know, yeah. in the moment? Like right. Beau Travail. Or like Each Mama Tambien. Sure, sure, Iconic sure. dancing, but probably not choreographed. Yeah. Uh, here are five winners I would give out. Obviously, both Magic Mics. Sure, yes. I mean, no-brainer. Absolutely. Step Up. Okay. I just went with the first one. I haven't seen other Step Ups. I know that I'm other a, people are like, actually, Step Up, blah, blah, That's blah, blah, me. I, better, I am a Step but... Up connoisseur. I will say, of the Step Ups. I the Step Up. I'll see the other ones. Of the Step Up. Step up 3D is the one you want. Like it's it, that's that's top tier step up. But yeah, I'm glad that you threw one of them in because yes, two less obvious ones that I feel very strongly about. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm just going to jump in before I say these two. La La Land is not nominated. La La, no. La Land didn't need a fifth nomination. <laughs> we we stand Mandy Moore, but at this point, I feel like Mandy Moore has I an Oscar for love... choreography already, if it exists. But also, La La Land doesn't need a 15th nomination. And also, like, yeah. people criticize the dancing ability of its stars for good reason, but that's also narratively the point. Whatever. Uh, not La La Land. The, t- the two that I feel very strongly about yes. as winners, Hail Caesar oh. and Climax. I mean, Climax is the right answer. Hell Caesar, I love too. Hell Caesar is just that one. I mean, I guess you're both for both of those. You're you're giving it for one performance. Um, I watched the opening. What is it? Six minutes, five minutes of climax. A million times. So often. I watch it. I was the so psycho, often. like setting it to different songs and sending it to you. It's here's <laughs> the thing. I would set other scenes to that song. Also, I think it works in both ways. I think you could you can meme that in two. You different could set ways. Black Swan to the Supernature score from Climax. I want a better standalone version of that song. I think the the climax specific version because I know Supernature is its own song, but like the climax specific mix of that doesn't exist as like a standalone track on Spotify. Yes, it does. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> I feel Please, like it's, it was on my Spotify I feel like wrapped it's, that year. I feel like it's not the exact version, though. I think it's like a slightly altered version. Maybe. I could be wrong. Anyway, it's it rules. It's so good. Um, what did I miss? You are the choreography connoisseur. Well, this was the thing is why I pivoted was I really I would need to careen along with this question. I really would need to. I like, kind of felt like I needed weeks for this question exactly i'm just not prepared to just sort of like throw things out there um i mentioned the fact that you know it should be step up 3d of the step ups climax is right i would throw in francis ha because i think the choreography of her dance at the end of that movie is really really crucial to how that movie ends the note that that movie ends on the fact that it is very good and pure but also not like great the fact that it's sort of like is still a work in progress and she is still a work in progress makes so much is so crucial to what that movie is. Um, 
I would also throw in just something like the Hairspray movie. I think the choreography yeah. in that movie is like really fantastic. Oh fuck, I should have made that a winner. I mean, it's it's up there. It's I uh, I I need to like I really need to dig into this. Maybe we'll bring it up the next time we talk about a musical on this or something like that. But uh I think we all I think those are all, you know, very very good very good options, very good question uh, uh very good answers to that question. So I pivoted. I Obviously, we talk about ensemble as a something that could be possibly a casting award for the Oscars. Um, partic- a lot of people were like, "What about best casting?" My my rebuttal to best casting is like, "Are they just going to fucking give it to Nina Gold and Telsey every no, other year?" Right, right. Like, I think you need to find a way to make it an honor for the casting director, but also the actual cast. Sort of what SAG does, uh, right? Uh, in that case, something like Rachel getting married, something like I Heart Huckabees. I also feel like something like Gone Girl, which is oh yeah, like every single role in that, and you're casting from a popular book, so it's a big challenge there. And I think every single role is cast perfectly in that movie, and even in like in some really interesting ways. Nobody would have ever been like, oh yes, cast Tyler Perry and Neil Patrick Harris and Casey Wilson. And, you know, all the sort of perfectly smaller roles in that. Movie. It's a perfectly cast movie. Um, but is is that also, like, the choice of David Fincher instead of a casting Well, director? I think is you're right. other yes. wrinkle that is the, to... That is the challenge to making it a category is who are you, who are you giving an award for and are they the person? I, I, I acknowledge all of that. The other one, and this probably has similar uh, challenges because, like, as is this ultimately uh, what the, you know, the work of the director? But... I've always wanted an award for non-original music or soundtrack work in a movie and find a way. Like a a soundtrack supervisor. Sort of. So something where like Come What May doesn't get nominated for Moulin Rouge as an original song because it was originally written for another purpose. And yet, and so much of Moulin Rouge is about repurposing other songs. And yet clearly that movie is making something wholly original and new out of those things. So there's got to be a way to acknowledge something about Moulin Rouge. I also feel like there is value to uh, incorporating songs in a way that fits the movie in, again, a way that I would call original in a movie like Drive, the way that that movie sort of weaponizes its soundtrack to create mood in that movie. Mommy's also on my list, exactly. The way they use Wonderwall, the way they use non-original scoring in that, the the, the Ludovico Iannati track is... Arrival using... um, Exactly. That's exactly mm -hmm. on my list, too. And then for my fifth uh, option, also, I feel like if you pick... One uh, old song that works so well, I feel like you should just get an Oscar nomination for it. I'm thinking of something like uh, Take This Waltz, the way Take This Waltz utilizes oh my God. Video Killed the Radio oh Star, my God. the way that Mountains May Depart utilizes Go West to bookend that movie. Um, that's also maybe a choreography nominee, <laughs> Mountains Made Apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. See, this is why yeah. I wanted you to do choreography because you would have remembered all of the things that like, if I had given myself more time. Give me I a, would've... give me a grant in six months and I'll come up with, uh, <laughs> two decades worth of choreography nominees. Um, but yeah, that, that would be, those would be my two choices for, uh, for categories. I want to pose a category question for you that like, I'm starting to come around on 
that I feel like would really shake up the acting race in a way that people may or may not like. Yes. But, like, it's somewhat existed before. What? How do you feel Younger? about, like, a breakthrough performer Oscar? I love it. I love... See, I'm starting to love it, too. I feel like some of the ramifications of it would be... And maybe this isn't a bad one. You ask our friend Katie Rich, and she'd be like, fine! Uh, there would be no child performances ever at- nominated in another competitive acting category. I Yes, I think that absolutely helps. I think it also... It, it just, in general, would free up slots in in your other acting categories, which I'm, I'm a, I'm never going to object to. And B, we always talk about the Oscars trying to get more TV friendly. Ultimately what people want to see are acting awards. And so it would be another acting award without feeling sleazy or without feeling pandery. And I feel like some people would feel like it would be like less valuable but like that's not true of the grammys best new artist yes. is considered a top category Agreed. of the grammys and like the grammys are a very different beast but like i don't feel like it would be lesser i feel like it would be very hard uh-huh. for somebody nominated in that category to get nominated elsewhere so it's like you'd yeah. also have to like think like what are the rules what are the logistics of this and i'm not just trying to think about this potential category a lot because i just want to soothe my mind that oscar nominee alana hyam will exist but yeah. um oh this would be know. a great year I for think that it makes sense i like, also would support a best first film oscar like best directorial debut. Yeah, like the, the way that what, like, what the Independent Spirit Awards do. I would only yes, I I would probably support that too, but I would I would need way more like clear guidelines yeah, and rules and logistics than like the Grammys have. Where oh, you have, absolutely, like, absolutely. Lizzo getting nominated in Best New Artist when she's been making music no. that has been popular and widely listened to for five years. You'd want to do it like, right. You'd want to be, you know, rigorous about it. But I think there's a way to do that. And I think ultimately, and I think that's a way, it would be not as TV friendly, but it would it would be a way to honor independent movies in a way that would satisfy people who want independent movies to get recognized at the Oscars. And a lot of smaller movies get iced out in that way. I think ultimately, again, when the Oscars are on Netflix and they are five hours long, which hopefully <laughs> they can be, um, these these are the things that I would like. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Amanda asks, if this had Oscar buzz had an IMDb page, which episodes would show up under our known for? I had fun with this one. Okay, so... Obviously Cats. Like, yes. Cats is the number one yep. in there. Like, yep. The type of stats we pulled for that episode is like unparalleled. Cats would be there. Cats would be there. I think Mother would probably be there. I agree. I like the idea of uh, our Pan episode with Katie Rich being on there because that was the debut of um, the Garrett Headland or Charlie Hunnam. Uh, I feel like quiz. that would be a justice for Pan on our known for, though. Maybe. Maybe. Um, other, uh, episodes that I feel like to me are standouts. I've always loved our meet Joe black episode, uh, that we did yes. with Bobby finger. I thought that was great. I think, um, 
the star power of our Riding in Cars with Boys episodes, because we had Bo and Yang as our guest on that one, um, might propel episode too. Right, pro- might propel that one. I loved that episode. I thought that was a great one. And then the one I would throw on here, because I think it gets referred to so often, is, and it would be the most like, it would be classic what the fuck known for, is why is the Ask the Dust episode on this head Oscar Buzz is known for? <laughs> and it's because every time somebody asks us, what is Salma Hayek saying in your intro? We have to, you will be like right there being like, point to the sign. <laughs> go go listen to our Ask the Dust episode where we explain that it is Salma Hayek in uh, reading the 2006 Oscar nominees for Best Foreign Language Film and her deadpan recitation of and from Canada and from Canada water are the words that she is saying. For Best Foreign Film Language we have from Denmark, from Denmark after the wedding from Algeria days of glory from Germany the lives of others from Mexico, pants <laughs> And from Canada, water. From the country of Canada, the film called Water is uh, is what's going on there. Seek out the 2006 Oscar nominees. Read in 2007, whatever. Stupid. Um, Salma is the reason this podcast exists, kind of. Kind of, um, yeah. I would maybe throw Widows in there, too. Oh, yeah. Widows like, maybe a it's a basic one. answer, but... Yeah. I mean... Yeah, totally. Uh, from Josh, what was the first movie you wrote about professionally? I had to think about this. I don't know if I have a, an answer. <laughs> I I mean, like, professionally, like, what did I get paid for to write about is, like, I think it was TV well before a movie. And I'm also, like, it was long ago, long enough ago now that I'm, like, please don't seek it out because it's probably a bad piece. But I think it was Battlefield Earth. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Not obviously when it came out, but that I think is the first movie I wrote about professionally. So professionally, I'm not a film critic. Um, nobody, nobody wants to have me uh, review movies uh, and give me money for it, and that's fine. Um, so I mean, same. Like none of mine is an actual review. That I've never been paid for a review. I've done reviews that I've not gotten paid for. Some of my earliest writings about movies, even when I was doing like news roundups and stuff like that, I remember writing about films in development in like '05. I remember writing a lot about Batman Begins in development, but I wasn't getting paid for that. Um, I remember writing about yeah, like, and like we've both self-published before. Yes. Like, oh yeah, like I yeah exactly. Um, I by probably it wasn't an, even till like I was a decider where I was like actually writing film reviews at a job that I got paid for. Um, otherwise it's been just like Oscar stuff and Oscar ephemera. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really have a good answer for that, unfortunately. The correct answer for this is that Joe and I are still extremely hireable. <laughs> extremely talented and incredibly hireable. That's, that's what I'm obligated to tweet when I get press access to any right. uh, like film festival. I'm like, reminder that I'm extremely hireable. <laughs> um, I am. I may be an idiot, but I am also smart. No, you um, are. You are a uh, talented uh, son of a son of a gun. Yes. 
Thank you, darling, as are you. From Judy, do you prefer doing a podcast episode about a This Head Oscar Buzz movie that is good or bad? Is it more fun to talk about something great than should have been recognized but wasn't? Or is it more enjoyable to laugh at a movie for which the Oscar Buzz now seems ridiculous based on the actual quality of the movie? I don't feel like we ever do that much laughing at something that it's like, well, this is ridiculous because at this point we're like, is any of it ridiculous? Like, because we're right. several years into this, but there are movies that we talk about here that I, that I hate. And there are movies that we talk about here that I love. I my I mean, my answer to this question is very uh, Annette Benning and 20th century woman. Yes. And no kind of a thing. Um, yeah. There are good movies that I love talking about. There are also good movies that I feel very frustrated when we talk about why it didn't get an Oscar nomination because it it sort of makes me uh, angry. I think I'm not to be sort of glib about it, but like I like talking about interesting movies in either direction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the interesting thing is the ins and outs of why it didn't get nominated. Sometimes the interesting thing is the movie itself. Sometimes the interesting thing is the director or the star or, you know, something like that. And it varies. I think the actual quality of the movie in terms of what makes us want to do a movie, it really varies. Like, I don't think that's ever the determining factor. Sometimes we just want to do a movie because we really do love a movie. I think look at no further than our hustlers episode where we were dying to do that movie because we loved it, but we were also dying to do like captain Corelli's mandolin. We were also dying to do the shipping news. Yeah. My answer to this question is the quality of the movie has almost no bearing on whether the, the episode will be good or fun to do. I agree. I agree with that. There's definitely been movies that we love and we're like, well, that didn't necessarily make for the most interesting episode. And the same is true for bad movies, right, too. Right, 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 right. Yeah, um, totally. Oh, this, this was, if, if, uh, the one, uh, uh, question earlier <laughs> was like my favorite question this is my second favorite okay. because you're winning I love a listener that likes to instigate rivalry uh-huh. between us uh-huh. brad asked us what is the current status of the bets that you have got going against each other <laughs> i i always like to be reminded that somebody is paying attention to these because i'm glad because like we are not keeping score on these nearly as as well as we should be we really should have a white says you <laughs> oh do you have a whiteboard do you have a scoreboard listen i can nurse a bet as well as i can nurse a grudge listen i'm glad so, i'm glad even though i'm losing on more of these than i'm winning um i'm glad that you remember because i'm, I'm I just, probably coming ahead probably the first bet which dates way back we might be tied no i'm gonna say we might be tied but let's get into it okay um the first bet uh, in our Ask the Dust episode, the apparently iconic yes. Ask the Dust episode in our known for. Yes. Um, we bet against each other whether or not Colin Farrell will be an Oscar nominee in five years, which that episode aired in July of 2018. So he has through the year 2023 to be nominated. Well, wait, is it in as of July of 2023? Because in that case, I only have one more calendar year to go. I think it should be complete the calendar year. Okay. I think that's fair. Well, then I feel a little bit better about this. It's not, it's by no mean a short thing. I feel thing. like we could even extend that through 2024 because like what years were we talking Are about? Are you willing to extend it through 2024? Because I'll take it. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And the, all right. To lay this out, to some degree, you are betting on the house and I am betting on one particular number. Like you, the, the odds are in your favor because you're essentially betting on stasis and I am betting on you know, the disruption of that stasis. 
I looked at his upcoming movies, and there's no sure thing there, but I'm just going to say we're only talking about a nomination. I think there are some possibilities. We will know very soon, because it plays at Sundance, we will know the nature of his performance and role in After Yang. After well, it Sunday. played a can last year, and people didn't... Oh, okay. Well, then... The, even the then people that know. loved it the most okay. didn't really have much to say about The fact that it played at Cannes and I didn't realize it probably means it's not a thing. Okay. He's got a role, and I don't know how lead of a role it is, in the Ron Howard movie about the Thai cave rescue that could be coming off of a Best Documentary nomination or even win this year. We don't know. Um, Ron Howard is not... A, a slam dunk for acting nominees, but nor is he out of that. We just talked about Glenn Close getting a nomination for Hillbillyology. It's not out of the question that Colin Farrell gives the standout performance in that movie and maybe gets a nomination. I also think it's not, it's very unlikely that Colin Farrell in The Batman will be an Oscar nominee, but the Academy from the Jared Leto in House of Gucci family of products. Well, yes, <laughs> but also we're we are talking about an Academy that has given two Oscars to people playing the Joker. So like right. it's not as out of the I don't think it's going to happen, but like they're doing a lot to spotlight him by like we it's it definitely seems like he will be the capital V villain of the movie. And he's also seemingly gonna villain. be doing a lot of acting underneath all of that prosthetics people are going to be talking about him probably more than they're going to be talking about anybody else in that movie the the one that i've got my eye on is he is re-teaming with martin mcdonough and brendan gleason in the banshees of inishirin however we pronounce that irish word um uh with also barry keown who also how do we pronounce that name uh i thought it was keegan I did too until I heard I Joanna Robinson pronounce it, and sh- I trust her more than anyone on this subject because Absolutely. he is her boy. Um, I think the fact that it's a reteaming of the In Bruges folk because that's one of his most uh, acclaimed roles, and he won a Golden Globe for it, and a lot of people think he should have been Oscar nominated for it. It's now Martin McDonough is not everybody's fave, especially after three billboards, but. Um, He's on the Academy's radar now after Three Billboards. Yeah. And so, it's the type of thing that if In Bruges came after Three Billboards, In Bruges would probably right. you know, get Colin Farrell so that nomination. I'm losing this bet, but I'm not out of the game yet is what I'm going to say. I think that's the thing that is the most likely chance that you win. My thing about I'm going to win this bet is because of the Penguin. He signed on to do a Penguin TV series for HBO Max. Right. That's going to take up a lot of his time. Right. You're and, right. Like, I think that makes it be like the upcoming things that you're seeing now. That's all it's going to be because he's going to be doing this TV show. Right. I, yes. Like I the said, the second bet, yes, which I thought this morning of a wrinkle. We didn't actually mention when we made this bet yeah. because this is where we have a potential tie. The other bet was that I said Michelle Williams is getting an Oscar before Amy Adams. We never said what happens if they both win an Oscar the same year. Oh, do you think that's going to happen? I mean, that's how we would tie. Well, or just that neither one of them wins an Oscar until we're, uh, you know, too old to remember this bet. I mean, it is very possible that, you know, this bet goes till our dying day. Right. 
but a, a fine thing to put in our obituary that uh, <laughs> died still they not died having they lived, nursing a bet that Michelle Williams and Amy Adams also deceased, would, <laughs> who would win an Oscar first. I, I also dug into their IMDb, so I just wanted to mention, as of right now, Michelle Williams certainly has the more promising upcoming filmography. She's playing Peggy Lee in a biopic. Oscar loves biopics about entertainers. She is um, in the new, the next Kelly Reichardt movie, playing an artist. I imagine she's the lead. At some point... Cannot wait for this. At some point, the Oscars are going to are gonna recognize Kelly Reichardt. I just think so. I just think at some point, it's going to happen. So... I mean, First Cow was probably her most... I don't... Mainstream's not the word. Yeah, it's really not like, the But, like, circumstances were were most fertile for her with First Cow with how last year was. Right. Um, It still doesn't seem like a Kelly Reichardt movie is what's going to get her to win an Oscar, though. This is for a win. This is not just for a nomination. The Colin Farrell thing is only for a nomination. Um, mm-hmm. She's in the new the upcoming Spielberg movie that's about his family that I could see being mm-hmm. is she playing his mom yes okay I could see that being a win that's the one where I think I'm most worried I that feel you're gonna like snake not to be too far like year in advance but like I'm, West Side I'm Story worried. is gonna give Spielberg a lot of momentum I agree because I don't think you know West Side Story is going to take him there but it's gonna give him some momentum for this movie We'll talk about that particular angle of it, I think, more so uh, over the next coming weeks. But, um, yeah, that's the one where I'm most worried about it, especially when I go and look at Amy Adams's uh, IMDb. And aside from Disenchanted, which I don't think is going to be a contender for her, unless it's a huge, you know... It's Disney Plus only, though. Oh, well, then, yeah, so no. She's also, I needed to just mention it, in a film that is... I don't even know if it's filming. It might just be announced. Uh, called Night Bitch, where it's oh yes, a stay-at-home woman who thinks that she's a dog or something. A stay-at-home mom begins to worry that she may be turning into a dog. I'm just gonna say probably that's not an Oscar-winning role. Is what I'm gonna what say. If it is? Although what I'm if it now is? kind of super interested in seeing what Night Bitch turns out to be. So yeah, but let's get to the one where I'm winning. Let's talk about you that. are winning this one. Yeah. You are winning this one. And I'm, I know I made this bet that I was like, you know what? Fine. We'll do this. Oh, but oh, you're, oh. You're winning this bet. Oh, the way you are weaseling out of that. I'm not weaseling out of this. I'm just contextualizing. You literally just said, oh, I gave that one to you. Like, oh, I just yeah, sort I of tossed that one off. give it to you. I'm just saying. I was also just being a fucking smartass about this. Uh-huh. All right. I'm going to take but this no, win. No, it's a not, real bet. This it's win a real will bet not that have I am an asterisk losing. next to it. I am going to... You are still going to be getting 50 bucks for this, sir. I did weasel you into it. That was, that was my biggest accomplishment is to turn that into 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Turning my hubris. But tell the money. listeners what the bet is. Tell the listeners what you... I the... said Meryl Streep. We were betting if Meryl Streep would be nominated for Don't Look Up in Supporting Actress. I said that she would... And uh, I Joe said, said no. she wouldn't. And I is very smart. Am and very confident she's not getting nominated for this. Yeah. Even I think if this movie does well, she's not getting nominated for it. Uh huh. I think you're right. I think that's right. So I will. If she does, it's a crime, and I will not accept that fifty dollars happily. I think you have uh, the long the long term success uh, advantage, and I am going to win in the short term. And 
I'll lord that over you for as long as it applies. So that's fine. After this year, we have two Oscar races to see how Colin Farrell yes. ends up. And then the Williams-Adams goes in perpetuity. Goes in perpetuity, exactly. Right. All right. From Sam, I loved this question. Joe has mentioned Survivor sev- a few times. Yes. Uh, what are your favorite seasons and or players, and how are you finding the current season? I really feel like the worm has turned on this one, and I have now become... Now my institutional knowledge of Survivor is a real asset for me. Before, I was like, I'm one of the you know lone people on film Twitter and on gay Twitter who watches Survivor. And now everybody came around. You and Kevin Jacobson. And now everybody all of a sudden is their little self-styled Survivor expert. But uh, you know who's been there the whole time? This guy. So, yeah. I love Survivor. Favorite seasons... Heroes versus Villains is my favorite season. It uh, has the best ending with, uh, with well, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who wants to watch. Um, I love how it ends. I love how, for the most part, the villains end up being far more likable than the heroes. Uh, it's a really well-chosen cast. Um, really fantastic. I always stick up for the very first season. It is weird to watch in retrospect. It is The pace of it is so much slower, and it's just sort of like a different era of television watching, but like... Super compelling. Uh, Token Chains has a very good season. I really like that. Uh, Survivor Philippines is very good and features uh, Lisa Welchel from The Facts of Life, if that interests you at all. Um, the Millennials versus Gen X season, I think, is very good. The David versus Goliath season is very good. As for the current season, if you want to read what I think about it, I've been recapping it every week at primetimer.com. So if you can go there um, and read my uh, recaps for this season of Survivor. I don't hate it the way it seems like a lot of people, especially a lot of people in media, really resent the changes that are being made to the game. I don't love the changes. I really kind of wish that Jeff Probst would take a Valium and calm down a little bit this season, especially. I don't understand how you hate a show if you've been watching it for 40 seasons. Well... Like, how can you have the strongest anti-feelings about it? It's because I because people feel like the show that they love is being altered in a way that they don't like. And okay. um, I think it's because they love the show so much that they're annoyed with the changes that are being made to it. And Right. And if you have 40 seasons of something, yeah. obviously it's doing fine. I think the cast of this season is really fantastic. CBS's commitment to casting their reality shows uh, at least 50% POC is really paying off. It made for one of the best Big Brother seasons uh, this past summer, and the cast of this season of Survivor is really great. I have multiple people going into this week's finale. I think by the time this episode posts, the season will be over, so we'll know who has won. But like going into this finale, there's a few people I would be happy to see win. So... I don't hate it. I've been I've been enjoying it. I think some of the changes, while annoying, have resulted in some like kind of gag moments at the at the tribal councils. So um, I'm into it. I am uh, still running strong with my survivor dorkship. So fantastic, yeah. Survivor. I did like a month of like four seasons during the pandemic, yeah. and I had to bail because like. To me, it was not good for me to binge it. It made me an incredibly, like, I was so super into it, but it also was making me, like, anxious. Which seasons did you watch? a tiny bit combative. <laughs> I couldn't tell you off the top of my head right now, but, like, when I told people which seasons I watched, they were like, yes, you watched exactly the right ones to begin with. Yeah. Um, 
But like, if I go back to Survivor, I am not going to binge it because it wasn't good for me. Sure, um, there was a point. Again, like, I was also watching it during a global pandemic, so maybe that was part of it. I kind of burned um, myself on it too. The the season before this, the last one that aired during uh, early pandemic, was the season of All Winners, and by the end of that, I was like, I need a break. Like, I am. I had gone so hard into Survivor and was so invested in that season that I was just like, nope, I need a break. I will also say though, um, not to self promote, and Lord knows how you would find this on twitter but the one my favorite day during early pandemic especially was i think it was kyle buchanan had posted a tweet prompt of like the last 20 best actress winners at the oscar and were like this is the cast for your new survivor and i was like challenge accepted oh i remember that and i just sort of wrote a day-long like tweet thread uh playing out an imaginary season of best actress survivor and i will say it's some of the best writing i've done <laughs> during it the was last really few years. smart remind us who won uh winner was olivia coleman the queen stays queen um i'm going to i will try to dig and find that thread because i'll try to put it in the tumblr i really enjoyed that day that was a fun day <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving right along, Nicholas asked us about this amazing Twitter account that has come up. Uh, uh-huh. It's at Oscars Clip. God bless. Um, playing basically at random different acting clips from the Oscar ceremonies yep. of like what point in the movie the clip was, you know, played. Because uh, as we have bemoaned in the past, the Academy's like posting of all the uh Oscar speeches yes. removes that footage because of licensing, whatever. Um, it's really a Oscar monkey's clips. paw situation where every, almost every acting winner of the Oscars, at least of the last 30, 40 years, are available to you on Twitter in like really good quality video from the Academy's Twitter account. But the the drawback is it can't post they can't post any of the clips because of rights the issues. clips which is a decent enough portion yep. of the fun yep um unless it's like last year which the nicholas mentions where it's like they decided to do trivia factoids instead of movies i kind of understood why they made that choice because it's like it would have just been a night of the same 15 movies all night and it's like that's Sure. Not normally what you would have. Um, But, like, the DMCA takedown is coming for you at Oscars Clip, and I just want you to know, if you're listening, before that happens, we will avenge you. Oh, yeah. Just... It's co- it's coming, and it's going to be a bad day. I need to find a way mad, to save... But... To save as many clips as possible, though, for my own cash. I need to figure out how to do that. Right. Um... Uh, we love you. We respect you. Thank you for all of your hard work. You are doing an essential service to us. Um, we'll pay your bail. Yes, Nicholas's question yeah. is uh, the creation of that Twitter account uh, has uh, got me thinking about shifting conventions around the presentation of acting nominees Oscar clips. What is your platonic ideal format? Are ceremonies that stand out as best in class? Personally, I am a fan of 2009's montages, which effectively captured the essence of each nominated performance by showing its emotional range overlaid over its respective film score. It goes without saying that I abhorred this past year's cringeworthy cliplessness. What was that a Soderbergh decision? Uh, I do believe it was. I understand the reasoning in doing it, so we're not watching... The same movies over and over? As with many of the Soderbergh Oscar decisions, 
Some I genuinely appreciated. I did like the fact that, as we've talked about this before, that the nominees in the crafts categories actually got to be, you know, shown on screen. That was really nice. Um, it felt like it was a very respectful uh, treatment of the actual people who make movies, which, coming from a director, that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, a lot of the decisions I kind of respected without necessarily loving them. I I do not support a clipless uh, Oscars. I do feel like clips are important. I think, um, due respect to Nicholas, and thank you for your question, I don't like montages. I'm very opposed to doing a montage instead of a clip. I like montages in other contexts at the Oscars. Um, I think I did, it was just this past week, right, Chris, where I sent you and Katie once again the clip from the 90th Oscars where they did the uh, like a, a history of uh, of film set to various pieces of score that makes me uh, cry every time. But no, <laughs> I want clips. I I think the it's always fascinating to see what clip gets selected. I think watching people react to their own acting is fun and sometimes can afford moments where like Kate Blanchard or Stanley Tucci are cringing at their own performance, which is very funny and very fun. Um, we've talked about the, uh, the 2008, 2009 option where they had former, either former winners in the category or notable actors with a connection to the nominees sort of give little, which is what I love and give, what I would love to see back. And I think when they did it the second time, when they did it for the Oh nine Oscars, they combined uh, the, the speeches and it made it especially long, but again, I don't care. Um, they did this little speeches and then followed by a clip and that was a little bit like have your cake and eat it too, but I I appreciated the fact that there was a recognition that clips are good and important. That's my platonic ideal. Yeah, yeah. What you just described. Very good. I mean, like I like maybe a montage of all of the performances before the like presenter comes out, and then we do clips. Maybe that yes. seems like overkill, but like I do like the idea of a montage that puts all these performances together and maybe tries to contextualize their range instead of like the crunchy presentation where it's like, yes. Anne Hathaway comes out and is like a father trying to support his family a serial killer uh-huh. more charming than you would expect i keep wanting to do a super clip of those of just like a super <laughs> cut of all of those things sort of mixed up together this year's supporting actor category includes an idealistic rookie a devoted husband a ruthless con man a crafty wizard and a man who is a little bit of all those things howard cassell a troubled horticulturalist a poetic aids victim a wise and ruthless gang lord, a trusting but deceived husband, and a glib and shady father. A bail bondsman, a former president, a psychologist, a contemporary artist, and a porn producer. Sounds like the lineup for Politically Incorrect. I think, were I... An astronaut remembering his child. And then the last one is always just like, and the craziest captain of the guard you ever saw, or whatever like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's always, the last yeah. one is a little bit like wacky. It's always like, and a man with a very large penis. I think with certain notable exceptions, I always will talk about the 2001 Oscars I thought had especially well-written and funny banter for their for their presenters. Um, certain Oscars are better than others in that regard. I think in general, were I producing the Oscars, I would sacrifice about 90% of presenter banter or, um, uh, sort of 
speechifying by the presenters, with certain exceptions, one of them being the the our ideal actor presentations that we said. Um, and instead, I would like montages that contextualize the year in movies for people who maybe have not seen. I think if you're if you're if you're keeping in mind the fact that you are producing this awards for a mixture of people who have seen the movies and loved them and people who haven't seen the movies and could be curious about them, then I think you would want to do montages that show clips of the movies and have almost like you're doing a documentary about movies, right? Mm-hmm. Have the clips of the movies and have like Martin Scorsese and Guillermo del Toro and Regina King and Matthew McConaughey and whoever sort of like talking about what it is about these movies, the particular craft that you are presenting, why they are important, why they they were effective and show clips that, you know, that back that up. I don't know. Seems simple to me, but it never happens. So <laughs> <laughs> our final question, and we saved a big one for last, comes from Brett. Brett asks, in past episodes, you have touched on alternative Oscar timelines. For example, what if Sandra Bullock didn't win an Oscar in 2009? And I found these discussions fun and fascinating. For the mailbag episode, I'd love for you two to dive into more examples, perhaps giving each other a prompt to play out, preferably around Best Actress and Supporting Actress races. Uh, I am combi- I'm going to combine this with a question from Crystal to just kind of give us an avenue to do one of these. Uh-huh. Crystal was asking about how Rachel Weisz won for The Constant Gardener that year. And Rachel Weisz kind of steamrolled that year. So the what-if scenario I'm going to present to us is what if Michelle Williams had won for Brokeback Mountain that year? That's an interesting one. To, like, relay back to some of our other questions. Most notably, the bet that I'm going to win. <laughs> um, and I also did a Jack Nasty at the beginning of the question. The thing about Rachel Vice is, like, I've heard this before, that people say they're surprised that she won for that performance. And it is kind of an understated, understated performance. I think it was one of those things that it was just the right performer at the right time. Focus did actually push that movie pretty hard they did. even though it was an august release um that one she that's was one the right where... person at the right time i think a lot of opinions were spread amy adams was like it was going to be a miracle if they got her nominated and i think it was always the nomination was always going to be the win a lot of people sort of look back in retrospect and like oh that should have been the one that amy adams won for and it's just like well yeah if we knew she was going to be amy adams then like yes probably but like at that moment she was an unknown and the movie was incredibly small and the nominee was absolutely the victory there the nomination was absolutely the victory there the thing about rachel vice is i remember watching the constant gardener in in the summer and I remember being really bowled over by her performance, especially. And she was not an actress who I was particularly bullish on at that point. I didn't really know her for too much by then. I was not a fan of the Mummy movie, so I didn't really see... I think I might have seen part of the first one, but like, I didn't really have a whole ton of like 
Rachel Weiss in the tank for me. So I watched that movie and I was really blown away by her. And I was like, this would be a really cool Oscar nomination. Probably not going to happen though, because this is a summer movie and yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden award season comes along and she gets nominated for a globe. I'm like, yes, this is great. I love that she got this nomination. Probably won't win though. Yada, yada, yada. And then the globes happen and she wins. And I was like, yes, this is fantastic. At, at least she won the golden globe. This will be a really fascinating year. Probably every different actress will probably win each precursor. And, blah, blah, blah. and then she just steamrolls through the whole season. And I was just like, oh, okay. So like a lot of people were on my wavelength with this. Um, I think when you're talking about alternative timelines, though, I think if she doesn't win for The Constant Gardener, I don't know if there's a drumbeat for her to win for anything else that she's been nominated for or that she had been in contention for. I think, I mean, eventually for The Favorite, maybe she would have had maybe. a better shot. But I think by the time um, The Favorite comes along, it's so long since the previous Oscar that I think... And Regina King was never not going to win, even though she wasn't SAC nominated. And I think the internal competition, even though I think Rachel Weisz is best in show in The Favorite in a very competitive uh, field from her uh, co-stars, she's my favorite performance in that movie. I still think the fact that she had competition from her co-stars probably is enough to keep her from getting to win for that anyway. Do you think, though, that she would have been nominated for a movie that she wasn't nominated for in the interim? My mind says yes, but I don't have an immediate Like the Deep Blue Sea is maybe the one I'm thinking of because she did win a, a Critics' Prize for that one. and There might have been more attention yes. given to that movie. Yes. But like, so maybe, but, um, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that movie was so small like, and like, I love that movie. She's incredible. Right. We talked a little bit a few weeks ago when we t- did our, uh, Blueberry Nights episode about how she had that movie Agora that was in development forever. But by the time that movie came out, it was an afterthought. Um, I think the fountain, I don't think the fountain gets any better received with a uh, a Rachel Weiss is overdue narrative to it um i i don't think her performances in movies like youth even though i think she's great in youth or the lobster i don't think those get any more light on them in that case i think the deep blue sea is the one area where if there's a sense it changes something for her i think it does i think it does a little bit what does it change for Michelle Williams, though? I think I Michelle Williams probably, I feel like, maybe has one less Oscar nomination. I feel like it probably changes the roles she eventually plays. Because the thing I think that held her back from winning is a little bit of, A, the story was on the men and Ang Lee, the male stars and Ang Lee, but also there was a Dawson's Creek snobbery around her a little bit yes. that it's like people had to be like, oh, she's from this teen show. We never knew that she could be good. And she was good on that show. Yeah. Like, um, so it's like those of us who watched Dawson's Creek, like we knew. Um, yeah, she was the best. We should also mention the other two nominated performances because we didn't mention them. Uh, one is Frances McDormand for North Country. Um, and Catherine Keener for Capote. Right. Two, uh, two performances that are, the roles are pretty small, even though they're in a lot of those movies, but I think they really get overshadowed by the leads 
in those ones a lot. Um, I think Catherine Keeter's like quietly pretty incredible in that movie, but it's just a performance that is never going to win someone an Oscar. Even when you're in a position like Catherine Keener was, who like a lot of people thought she should have won for being John Malkovich. And it's like, it's still, even if a like, we're actually rewarding you for this other uh, performance, which happens all the time. It's still not something that's going to cross the finish line for that. Um, And I think with McDormand, it is, I think she gives a good performance in North Country. I think she's probably the one I would most easily kind of lop off of that list just because um, I think other things are more impressive. But if she's not already an Oscar winner by then, that's one where maybe she uh, gets momentum because it is a very Oscar bait kind of a role. Not No, no, right. no slight on that. Um, one other thing about Rachel Weiss I just wanted to bring up because I'm tooling through her IMDb. She does have an upcoming uh, Thomas Alfredson movie uh, where uh, I believe she's – I imagine she's the lead. It says the story will follow a medium who convinces her husband to kidnap a child so she can help police solve the crime and achieve renown for her own abilities. I'm so super psyched for this. And oh, wow. I feel like – I mean, maybe not, you know – Oscar slam dunk, but sounds like, like the gift crossed with like young adult. Um, into it. And I say that even though I know that he did the snowman, I'm mostly thinking of Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy being a, a more of a, a and the original let the right one in. And the original. If you right read one. up on the actual production of the snowman, it less and less sounds like his fault. Is what I will say. I'm willing to do that for him because uh, I, mean, I, I imagine that a lot of catastrophes have to happen for the snowman to become what it did. But anyway, even if that movie's kind of a junky movie, I'm I'm interested to see Rachel Weiss in that role. I think she would rule in something like that. So anyway. Um yeah, I think so do you feel like it's the my my temptation with the Michelle Williams thing is it's probably tempting to think, oh, well, then she just wouldn't get nominated for something like My Week with Marilyn, which is like probably everybody's least I think favorite. she probably doesn't do My Week with Marilyn. I think that's more likely then yes. I think that's maybe true. Do you think, though, that... And it's maybe somebody else gets nominated for playing Marilyn Monroe. Probably, like, Naomi Watts. Oh. Because Naomi Watts was almost the Andrew Dominic. It was one of the many people who was almost Andrew Dominic's right. Marilyn Monroe. <sighs> when is that movie going to come out? That's such a... That's such a... It's rumored for Berlin. Well, we'll see then. I don't think Netflix is going to be putting this movie in an awards race. That's my opinion. Yeah, when I did that uh, that speculative history of the non-pandemic 2020 for Vulture, and I made my actually really good. Uh, I called Daniel Kaluuya winning an Oscar in that one, and I also called Will Smith winning an Oscar for King Richard. So, like, I wasn't so bad, except for then in actresses, I predicted um, Ana de Armas for Blonde, a movie that still hasn't come out, which. I guess it's still possible, but like buzz on that movie has gone south. And I truly didn't know what to pick for supporting actress. So I just threw out there Vera Farmiga for the many states of Newark. And I'll take the L on that one. That was wrong. (laughs) Um, But that truly was just like, what the fuck? Sure. Like this, this was award worthy on television, this role. So like, and I will say the movie let down Vera Farmiga in many states of Newark more than anything else. Um, That movie did not uh, care for that character super well. Anyway, I think maybe um, the I would. Do you think she still gets nominated for Blue Valentine if she? Um, yes, wins for Brokeback Mountain. For one thing, the it's thing leveling up that, to lead. It's and I don't. 
I don't think there is any more reticence to, in fact, I think it then becomes sort of the Academy being like, yeah, we were right to take a flyer on this TV actress. Look how good she is as a star of a movie. Right. I think maybe it's like that whole best actress race maybe changes because it was very competitive. And I think she was seen as being in fifth place. Yeah. At least on nomination. Morning. She's maybe more of a contender that year. Yeah. And maybe if somebody gets pushed out, it's unfortunately like Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, because she's so fantastic in, in Rabbit Hole. Yeah, you're right. Chris, this is our longest episode. I'm pretty confident in saying if we have to cut anything, we nah, can cut anything. Whatever. I feel like our mailbags do go long, but like that's what you guys want the week leading up to New Year's. Exactly. You're just trying to relax. Nice. You're just listening to homo- two homosexuals talk about exactly. awards and movies. Exactly. Listen to this while you're like making an hors d'oeuvre for New Year's Eve or something like that. Like, yeah. Thank you for all your questions. You guys, we really appreciate We really it. appreciate you listeners so much. Thank you for supporting our wild endeavor um, and our um, lunacy and, uh, you know, enthusiasm. Exactly. Exactly. We love you, Gary. Gary being all of you. <laughs> Maybe our listeners are Gary's. That's it. That's it. We've figured it out. I like it. I like the that. Gary's. We love our Gary's. Uh, you guys, uh, that's going to be our mailbag episode. Thank you for sticking with us. If you want more of This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thisheadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow us on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Share us with more people. Uh, find more Garys. Proudly <laughs> proclaim yourself as a Gary, etc. Et uh, Joe, where can listeners find more of you? Sure. I'm on Twitter at Joe Reed. I'm on Letterboxd also as Joe Reed. In both cases, my last name is spelled R-E-I-D. And I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. We'd like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mebius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get those podcasts. Five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility. So start your new year off as a Gary with a lovely review. That's all for this week, and we hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. Bye. Bye.